Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Jennifer, and this is For the Fans, the podcast where we talk all things TV, movies, fans, and fandoms. All right, I am very excited to share that today's topic is going to be Harry Potter. I knew that there was just no chance I was going to do a podcast about media and not discuss Harry Potter. I would say that Harry Potter probably has had the most impact on me of any franchise, any book series. I think it definitely was the most formative collection of literary and media texts in my life. And so Of course, we had to discuss it on this podcast. I grew up with a lot of cousins, a lot of older cousins, and they were all really into Harry Potter from when I was, like, super young. The books started coming out in the 90s, and the movies came. And so as I was growing up, all of my cousins were super into it. And so then, of course, I showed interest in it. I read the books. I saw the movies when I was, you know, old enough and as they were coming out. And I was just obsessed from the very first book that I read. And I really have to give a shout out to my family, specifically my parents, for indulging this obsession of mine that I still have to this day. Um, They were always such good sports. My mom would take me to the midnight premieres of the the last couple movies with one of my good friends. and, And her mom would go and we would all go. And my friend and I would dress up as characters and go experience it as it came out with, you know, we were like the youngest ones there. It was all millennials, but we still had a lot of fun. Also, I remember watching Harry Potter in those little portable DVD players that back in the day we used to have. If you're like young Gen Z listening to this, you might not know what I'm talking about. But well, I would be waiting with my mom for my sister's gymnastic lessons to wrap up. We'd be in the parking lot and we'd sit and get all cozy in the car and watch it on our little DVD player. And so that was also really good memories of Harry Potter. I even went to Harry Potter camp with some of my best friends in elementary school. It was like a one-week Harry Potter-themed sleepaway camp, which was so much fun. Oh, I have to give a shout-out to my dad for driving me through a horrible thunderstorm to go to this little toy shop in downtown Chicago that sold these wands that were very close replicas of those in the Harry Potter films. And I begged him to take me, and he did it with no complaint through the storm on, like, a Sunday morning. Um, and I still have that wand to this day. I so It's somewhere in my house, but I, I haven't lost it. It's somewhere in my house. But another way that, you know, my, my parents indulged this obsession that – and I, I have to say – I was the most obsessed, but my other my I, my sisters were really into it as well. It was not just me, but we did a trip to Disney World when we were kids. They made sure that we did a specific day trip to Universal Studios so that we could go see Harry Potter World, and that was like you know one of the best days of my life at the time. And so yeah, so all of these anecdotes I've mentioned just to just to you know get the point across that I really love Harry Potter. I always have. You know, I I think that if I if I've ever been active in a fandom, this is the one fandom that I was super active in growing up. So of course that is the fandom that we're gonna be starting this podcast off with. And yeah, so I'm I'm very excited for this episode, as I'm sure you can tell. I cannot wait to get into it. And yeah, without further ado, I want to share the conversation I had with the wonderful Madeline, who is a fellow Harry Potter fan. Really rusty. <laughs> no, no worries. I want to welcome you, Madeline. Uh, thank you for joining me to talk about Harry Potter. I'm like a very big Harry Potter fan. <laughs> I'm a lifelong fan. But I'm wondering, like, what your experience is with it. Like, when did you first get into it, or read it, or watch it, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to remember, but I think mm. it started in middle school. I like early middle school. Um. I hated reading. I hated everything about reading. Mm-hmm. In elementary school, reading was not my thing. They thought I was dyslexic. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was just bad. Just not into reading. No. <laughs> but then, um, I don't know what exactly, like, initiated, like, me wanting to read it. Mm-hmm. But I know that my sister had gotten the first book from one of my cousins, like, a long time ago, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. 
Um, but then my sister tried to read it, and she didn't like the point of view that it was from, so she's like, no, this is trash. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to give it a try because it has such a big fandom, and a mm-hmm. lot of people like like it. So yeah. I was like, why not give it a try? Mm-hmm. And I did, and I ended up like really liking it, and mm-hmm. then it like kind of sparked my like want to like actually read more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't start with like the movies. It started with... Uh, I guess just hearing things about it. I probably saw something about it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And as, like, a middle schooler, you're very influenced by things yeah, on Instagram. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's funny you mentioned that your sister got, like, a book from, like, an older cousin. Because, I yeah, I mean, similarly, I, I can't, like, pinpoint the exact, like, moment I got into Harry Potter. But mm-hmm. I had a bunch of older cousins who were really into it. And they had all the books and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, somehow it just got passed down. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I like read the books and I was super into the books and then I watched the movies. I got into it a bit younger though. I was like in elementary school and so there were like a couple of those movies that kind of freaked me out when I was yeah. like in third grade. <laughs> but, but um yeah, and then the rest was like just history. Like I was mm-hmm. obsessed ever since. And I have like a very um obsessive personality. So I really did make Harry Potter like my entire personality. It's yeah, to a degree, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But um so, like, okay, well, yeah, Harry Potter is a massive franchise. Like, it's been, you know, super popular forever. But are you on TikTok by chance? Yes. Okay, <laughs> so I I for so long didn't have TikTok, and I was like, I'm not going to download it. I'm not going to download it. Like, I don't want, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I had to because I'm a film major, and I we actually had an assignment about TikTok, like, a year or so ago. And so I was like, oh, all right, I'll give, like, I have to, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't know, the algorithm really just must have predicted. Like, the second I downloaded TikTok, I was on Harry Potter TikTok. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, like, comment, like, follow, all that stuff. And I was just kind of um, taken aback because I feel like I did not realize, like, how active the Harry Potter fandom still was. Just mm-hmm. because, like, I like I also, like, deleted, like, you know, stan Twitter and such thing, and I deleted yeah. Twitter for a long time, and so I really, and I really only, like, follow my friends and family on Instagram and all that stuff anymore, so when I downloaded TikTok and I was on Harry Potter talk, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, like, and then, of course, I was back in the thick of it, I was like, I need to read the books again, I need mm-hmm. to watch the movies, I need mm-hmm. to watch all these edits, like, yeah. I was obsessed, and, and so anyway, um, have you, like, experienced Harry Potter talk? I'm just curious. I'm pretty sure I've gotten, like, Harry Potter TikToks, but mm-hmm. I'm not exact like like fully in it. Not like fully okay. in it. Like my TikTok page is all like cats. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like they do occasionally show up, and yeah. I do give it love. So okay, good, good. Cause yeah, I like I've just um, you know, cause like I I feel like as like the social media generation, like I've always seen you know you always see those like edits and like fan cams of like mm-hmm. musicians, movie stars, characters, whatever, blah blah blah. Um. But I've seen, like, the Harry Potter fandom, like, all need to become filmmakers because these edits <laughs> that these people are making on TikTok are insane. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even so- seen, like, um, like TikTok series that are, it's, like, Harry Potter characters or, like, it, like I, I've seen one that's, like, like um, Somebody wrote like a prequel web series about the Black family. That's like not. It's like you know all yeah. like <laughs> like based on like the breadcrumbs that they mm-hmm. gave us in the books, and then someone like made a whole thing about it. And I'm like, oh my god, that's crazy. And there's so many like POVs that I see. It's like, it's like yes. POV. Like you're arguing with Hermione before the Yule Ball, and it's like, yes, I, and it's, like <laughs> it's like it's like clips from the movies, mm-hmm. um, and then it'll have like. You know, it'll it'll be the clips of, like, Hermione, like, yeah. saying something snippy at Ron or Harry <laughs> that, like, actually does happen in the movies. Mm-hmm. And then and then it'll be, like, like, you say the red text. And it'll be, like, mm-hmm. Y-N. Like, yes. Like, <laughs> shut up, Hermione. Like, you know, yeah, whatever the little yeah. thing is, which I think is so funny. It's, like, interactive fanfic, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Which is another thing. Um, Like, I recently found myself on marauders talk like specifically like all the fan fiction Mm -hmm. about the marauders and i'm like because i i've always been like i'm a very seasoned harry potter fan like i know the ins and outs of this fandom and now i'm like oh my god i got like decades of fan fiction to read to catch up like are you familiar with any of those like because yeah like 
like the Black Family prequel fanfic is like a thing. And then there's like the Marauders and there's mm-hmm. like Dramini, which is like not even that's like canon now. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm like, <laughs> there's just so much to catch up on. Like, are you familiar with all these different like new niche parts of the fandom? Yes, I am. Sadly. No, <laughs> not really sadly at all. I'm trying to catch up. I'm, I, yeah. I'm sad that I'm not caught up. Um, oh. Yes, fan fiction was a big part of my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyone I, that like, says yeah. that they did I'm sorry, but, like, anyone that says they didn't have a fan fiction phase is lying, first <laughs> of all. Like, but anyway, continue. Yeah, now I just feel so cringy about it. But, yes, I did spend a lot of time mm-hmm. reading fan fiction. Um, definitely a lot of... Uh, Kind of just all over the place, but yeah. it was never like I don't. I just don't ship Hermione and Draco. Yeah, I'm like, not very familiar with like Hermione. Yeah, no, I that, just like I just the don't, whole. I don't see it. Subsect, I feel like but, it would be like very toxic. Even though sometimes yeah. I really feel like Hermione and Ron are kind of like toxic. Yeah, but then <laughs> I feel like even more so, it would be. It it, it yeah, just it lot. just wouldn't work out. I don't yeah. think so. I yeah. Conti- sorry, continue. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. This is just, like, embarrassing. But, like, I guess my sister would always, like, judge me. Oh, you know what? She her. can judge me, too. Yes, okay. Caroline can judge me, too, then, okay? <laughs> but, um, yes, I did read a lot of them. And a lot of, like, also just, like, set in the times of the book. So just, like, the, yeah. whenever it was, 90s? Yeah. And then I also, I also read stuff that was, like, prequel but like even you know there's not mm-hmm. a prequel but things were like based off of like yeah what yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> no no okay you know what though the thing with fan fiction what people really get wrong is like they think of things like after like the harry potter oh, fan yes, fiction no. that like or not harry potter sorry yeah, the, harry styles yeah. fan fiction that like turned into like a movie series and whatever and they think of this like you know they think of very, it as being so inappropriate. Yeah, very inappropriate, very much. Yeah, no. Very like juvenile and just yeah. like, you know, teen fantasies. But a lot of it, honestly, I I would, you know, say, at least in certain fandoms, like the majority of it is just really interesting fiction. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like yeah. just taking these really interesting characters and uh like, you know, like creating new stories about it. Yeah. I actually I should have pulled it up for this interview. I'm gonna do it really fast, but um there's this Marauders fan fiction that I kept seeing all this stuff on TikTok about, and I was like, what is this? Like, what is this? And then I, I, I looked it up, and people were commenting, like, people were commenting, like, this is the best book I've ever read in my life. They need to sell <laughs> this in bookstores. Like, like, this changed me. I never thought that... You know, I would get into mm-hmm. fan fiction, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, some of them are actually, like, genuinely so good. Yeah. They're so well-written. And it's, like, these. Are, this is better than some of the books I've had to read for, like, AP Lit and mm-hmm. AP Lang. Like. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, okay, here, <laughs> here's um, just some of the, the, the comments. Um, this is the first Wolfstar fic. I don't, I'm not really sure what Wolfstar is. I don't know if that's the user or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I probably sound so uneducated on no, the podcast. No, I, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that. Yeah. This is the first Wolfstar fic, whatever that means. I've ever read, and I think it has ruined me. I literally can't stop thinking about it. And in my head, this is canon. Um, oh, wait. Is it shipping? Is it, the, is it is it fan fiction that's shipping, like, serious with Remus? I'm not really sure. Because I'm pretty sure that's what Wolfstar means. It says, <laughs> it says um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That makes so much sense. Okay, wow. <laughs> Wow, I feel like a really like fake fan. I'm so embarrassed because I'm no, always no. Been, like I'm the ultimate Harry Potter yeah. fan. And now I'm like, oh man, I gotta do my homework. But yeah. The description for it is a Harry Potter fan fiction detailing the lives of the Marauders throughout their schooling, told through Remus Lupin, and it's like half a million words. It says that it's five hundred twenty-six thousand words. Oh my gosh. And people are saying, um, this person wrote a masterpiece. I'm still recovering from the pain. Oh. Um. <laughs> A bit rude of JKR to plagiarize these characters and put them in her book. <laughs> um, best, these are the best characters to have ever lived in the Harry Potter universe. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just <laughs> this one says, destroyed me. This fic changed my brain chemistry. <laughs> Another one, better than most books I've read. So point is, all of these yeah. little anecdotes just all go to show that, like, this is literature. Like, mm-hmm. fan fiction is <laughs> fan fiction. 
I don't even know why I'm on my soapbox defending it because I, I, I definitely had a fan fiction phase, but not like, yeah, not very much. But I'm like, I do really want to read this one that people are like hyping up. But yeah. I will say like, I think that so, you know, myself included, so many of us like get fan fiction wrong. It's just, mm-hmm. a, it's like, how is it any different than fan art? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like the yeah. edits that people make, like it's kind of all the same. But like what you said about after is that's what everyone thinks it is. Yeah. Like, they think it's about like inappropriate, like all this sexual stuff. And I'm like, uh-huh. no, that's it not why yeah. I'm reading that. But you know, it's because I'm so invested in yeah. these people. And like. You know, the books and movies can only give you so much. So mm. you're looking for other people to create content because you're too lazy to, like, do that yes. yourself. <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah, when you're when you're really invested in uh, characters, well, well, it's like, you know, a book is, like, half of it's in your head. Like, yeah. the words are on the page, but you're really building it in your mind. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, that's why fan fiction exists is because everyone has different interpretations and they can mm. see it different ways and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, so I, I think that – but, it, but you know, all this to say, like, I just am so amazed at the fact that, you know, from what I've seen on the internet, like, you know, because J.K. Rowling is, like, very controversial, yeah. problematic. And yeah. so the way that people have really, like, reclaimed Harry Potter mm-hmm. characters and, like, you know, some of the, like, things in Harry Potter that are toxic or that people don't like, like – Fans are like, no, we don't claim that. Yeah, Here's no. this fan fiction that yeah, like, no. fixes that problem. That doesn't happen. Yeah, and we can all just make this be canon now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, which is so interesting because, like, on TikTok, I'm like, things that are popular in fan fiction is literally canon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally canon now, and I'm like, I need to catch up. Yeah. But, um, so, okay, so, obviously, you know, like, you, you know, I've been a Harry Potter fan since, like, middle school and, you know, whatever. Um, would you consider yourself, like, still kind of active in the fandom at all? Like, um, like, do you follow accounts or, like, do you still read it, watch it, or, like, not really, or, you know? I mean, I feel like it's still, like, I. it's so cheesy, but I feel like it won't ever leave me. Oh, no, same. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I was in band. Mm. I know, total nerd. No, <laughs> band was, just to say, band was, like, really cool at my school. Thank like, you. I feel like Thank band you. kids are the coolest. <laughs> Continue. Um, but we had this really cool opportunity, but, of course, it was really expensive. We got to go to Disney mm. and to Universal Studios. Okay, And nice. getting to go to Harry Potter World oh my with, my, with my best friends was, like, the... Life-changing. <laughs> it was the greatest experience of my whole life. Oh, like, my gosh. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. That is amazing. Oh, it was oh, just so I can't yeah. But I I feel like just because I spent so much time like investing myself, like reading the books, reading mm-hmm. fan fictions, like watching the movies, like mm-hmm. it just it's so much of it is engraved in my mind yeah, and I like make definitely. connections in daily life. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that reminds me of Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> then the whole day I'm thinking about Harry Potter. Oh my gosh. But uh I um I mean, I haven't watched the movies in a while, but I feel like mm. since it's like the Christmas season, like sometimes oh, I kind of watch up. them more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Harry Potter season. Now yes. we're approaching it. And like any time it's on, like uh, what is it, Freeform? They yeah. always have like the marathons, uh-huh. and it's always like, okay, we're gonna watch this. Like even yeah. if I have things to do, I'm just gonna put it on. Mm. Yeah. So well, definitely yes. <laughs> they, they, it's so unless it changed. So it actually now air like those marathons. They're mm-hmm. on sci-fi they're on the sci-fi channel oh yeah they have all of these like and i'm like where was like where was this channel when i was younger Mm -hmm. because they have all these like segments i don't know if you've ever seen them like on the commercials where they'll have all the harry potter fans (laughs) and and they'll like bring in like at like like fred and george are in some of them like Mm -hmm. the actors yeah and and they just have all these like cool fun harry potter commercials and like little segments Mm -hmm. and i'm like I would have been perfect in yes. those. I still would be perfect <laughs> in those. Like they should contact me to be in one of those. But I was on no, I was on Instagram the other day, mm-hmm. and they're like doing like a game show for Harry Potter. Oh my gosh! I'm pretty sure I, I put it up. on like my like save for like watch later. But I was yeah. like, uh, what? You'd be perfect for <laughs> like, that. Like, can I can I join? Like, give me yeah. a little popularity. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I I there was like this restaurant. Uh, near me growing up, it was just kind of like a like a sports bar, like mm-hmm. pizza place, you know. Yeah. And but it was it was like kind of one of those places that like you know 
team, like like sports teams and like whatever would have like a pizza party at or you know. Yeah. And I remember in high school, and I like didn't even really play sports in high school, not very athletic. But, <laughs> so, but whatever for whatever reason, I was like there for something like that, and they had you know those little like restaurants do those little. Uh, paper card things in the middle that have, mm. like, specials and whatever. Yeah. And they had, like, an advertisement for Harry Potter trivia night. Oh, my gosh. Like, but you had to be, like, 21 because oh, it was, like, a, like a drinking bar thing. thing. Yeah. And I was, like, I'm th- counting down the days until <laughs> I'm 21. And now that I am 21, when I go back to town, you know you know where I'll be going. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like I, I feel similar. I feel like Harry Potter has been such a big part of my life that – no matter how long it's been since I've read the books or seen the movies or, like, whatever, yeah. I'm always going to be really into it. And, like, yeah, it's the same thing, like, well, and all my cousins are super into it. So we'll just be, like, you know, sitting around and then out of nowhere we'll go down, like, a deep analysis of, like, let's assign every single family member a Harry Potter character. Yes! And oh, my gosh. And I like, love, like, thinking, like, who yeah. am I most like? Who's most like me? Exactly. Who I get along with the best? And also, like, trying to base your personality mm-hmm. based of, like, your based on, like, your Hogwarts house. Like, yes. I had, like, a dilemma because every single time I would do the stupid quiz on Pottermore. Yeah, oh, my gosh. It would give me, like, a different house. The Pottermore like, quiz has done everyone dirty a couple mm-hmm. times at least. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, and, like, yeah, like, the whole, like, what's your Patronus conversation? Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, and those conversations are so fun, like, with Harry Potter fans, yeah. you know? Um, which I'm lucky that I have, like, a million cousins, pretty much all of whom are into Harry Potter. Yeah. So it's, like, a deep analysis of, like, you think they're a serious? I feel like they're more of a Ron, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I feel like no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, Harry mm-hmm. Potter will always be a part of me. Yes. I actually wrote this, this speech in high school. We had this very, like, freeform speech assignment in, like, my English class where you basically mm-hmm. just, like, could pick any, like, statement like any opinion it mm-hmm. literally could be anything on the planet and then you just had to like write a speech about it yeah and so I wrote mine about Harry Potter of course <laughs> like yeah this was like this was like my senior year like spring semester too <laughs> like I like I will never be ashamed of my Harry Potter obsession yeah no matter how old I get and so so I like wrote my speech about why like Harry Potter is the best series like the mm-hmm. best children's series whatever and you know as I as I've gone through college I'm like did this age well? Because the, because I see more and more discourse yeah. online about how, like just how problematic Harry Potter low key kind of was mm-hmm. like like not the whole of it but like yeah you know the di- the diversity and like yes, you know like just yeah. all those things and like <laughs> well something I've loved is that I've seen a lot of people like reclaim um, like Fleur de la Cour because <laughs> people are like I cannot believe we let J.K. Rowling get away with having one female Triwizard Tournament, like, mm-hmm. competitor, and then she, like, loses so badly. She's yes. so bad. She's, like, the whole competition. In literally everything. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, wait, why? She gets thrown out of the lake. Why don't we let yeah. her get away with that? And then she's like, where's my sister? Yeah. And then, of course, Harry has to come in and save both it's of them. Yeah, it's just, like, they're, you know, and, like, the only, like, you know, like, some of the only people of color are named, like, Patel, like it's very, yes, you know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, just, the twins, yeah, yeah. Like Cho Chang, like it's just very, like, it's, it's just not yeah. as progressive as I think it's been given credit for yeah. by myself, even. Yeah. I, I'll admit that, but at the same time, I do feel like it, it put into terms, which again, it's like, it's so ironic to say this, but like, it really put into terms that are like, it, it put into a storyline that kids can understand, like. Prejudice, you know, because you have like, yeah, yeah. like Hermione, and she, you know, she has like slurs hurled at her, oh, and, yeah, and you know, yeah. and like, there's the whole like pure blood, mm-hmm. like concept, yes. which like I when I wrote the speech in high school, I was like, you know, this is like a really good allegory for like racism, anti-Semitism, like prejudice, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But then now that I'm older, I'm like, well. I, I mean, it is prejudice, yeah. but, you know, not to, like, that extent. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's very coded, <laughs> yeah. you know, which, like, is good because I think that, like, it goes over most kids' heads. Like, yeah. I feel like the Harry Potter fandom is very progressive, mm-hmm. at least from what I've seen. So I'm glad that, like, we've been able to kind of reclaim the somewhat controversial parts of it. Yeah. Um, But... But yeah, no, I still will always love Harry yes, Potter, and I yes. and I I love the fandom. It's just mm-hmm. the best fandom. Mm-hmm. But so okay, so what's your favorite? Just to kind of like end this on like you know, positive, reminiscent note. Like, 
Well, first of all, what's your favorite Harry Potter book slash movie? And then what is your favorite part of being a Harry Potter fan or, like, being in the fandom, you know, that kind of stuff? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, I feel – okay, my favorite movie – um, is definitely the Order of the Phoenix. <gasps> me I too. Love it's yes. such an unpopular opinion. <laughs> yes, but me too. I I think it's great. Um, as for the books, you know that's a hard question. <laughs> um, probably either the Goblet of Fire or the Order of the Phoenix. But like yeah. the Order of the Phoenix, Phoenix. Like my mom got my book for like half price books. Uh-huh. So like it literally had like. The chapter, like, after Bellatrix, like, killed Sirius, like, uh-huh. it, it was, like, doubled. Like, oh it was in there gosh. twice, and I was like, I swear I just You're read like, this. I was like, wait, yeah, I did, because they oh put the chapter. No wonder it was a half-price book. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Wait, what was the other question again? Well, so, well, okay, so you said Order of the Phoenix is your favorite yes, movie. Yes. Agreed. You have definite, definitely have taste. Yes. Um, I mean, you're a Harry Potter fan. I already knew you had taste. But, um, and then your favorite book is either Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And so what is your favorite? Well, first of all, yes, same. Order of the Phoenix is my favorite mm-hmm. movie. Book, um, probably Goblet of Fire or Deathly Hollows. just mm-hmm. like the epicness of it all. Oh, it just, um, it makes me sad. I know, it, yeah. is, it is very sad. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, but I, I love, um, I also love Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple summers ago, uh, the kids and I were, like, babysitting. They would have, like, 30 minutes of reading time every day. And <laughs> one of them was reading Harry Potter. and mm-hmm. But she would listen to the audiobook for Order of the Phoenix. And I would be, like, listening in. Like, she'd be in the <laughs> other room and I'd be like. <laughs> but, um, no, so anyway, the, the last question was, what is your favorite part about being a Harry Potter fan? Or what do you love about, like, Harry Potter fandom, or I guess, like, I guess, like, just in general, what's your favorite thing about Harry Potter? Why do you love it so yeah. much? You know, any of those questions you can answer. <laughs> I just, I love, like, all the fantasy stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just getting to, like, imagine things that, you know, you that aren't real, but, like, mm-hmm. getting to, like, escape into something after, like, a really hard day, mm-hmm. especially with, like, Oakham and Genevieve. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, like... It's just something that's very, like, comforting, too, since, like, yeah. I've known it for so long. And I, I just think it's so, like, amazing that, like, someone came up with it, even though, you know, J.K. Mm. Rowling. Like, eh. Yeah, we can, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> pretend she doesn't exist. Um, but, yes, I, I, it's just so, like, like mind-boggling to yeah. me. Like, someone, like, made this, and, like, so many people from around the world are, like, invested in it, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, um. Like, coming into college, like, because I stayed at home my mm. first year because COVID. Yeah. Yay. Right. And then, um, <laughs> so, like, I just got roommates off of Facebook. And I was mm. like, this is either going to go really well or really badly. Yes. And, but thankfully, it ended up being, like, really, a really good combination. And, good. like, like talking about Harry Potter. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I love Harry Potter. Yes. Best case scenario. And, like. We were all like, okay, what are y'all's houses? And then mm. we're like going around in a circle and we're all Ravenclaw. So I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yes, yes. I just, you get to bond with a lot of people too. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I know people just not being judgmental too because mm. I feel like there's a lot of other fandoms where people are like, yeah, get out. Definitely. And, or like yeah. really intense gatekeeping, yes, which is yes. something I'm talking about. I, this is like the Harry Potter episode of the podcast, mm-hmm. but I, I'm doing a Marvel episode where we talk all about gatekeeping, which is oh my luckily gosh, something yes. we don't really deal with in the Harry Potter <laughs> No, fandom. but uh, yeah. I mean, I love Marvel, but like... Yeah. Especially when people are like, with these new movies coming out, and like, mm-hmm. uh, like I've heard a bunch about like Eternals. I haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. but like everyone's Same. like, because it's like diverse people are like no we don't like it bye yeah. get out and like same with like captain marvel they were like eh. mm-hmm. and then black panther they were like eh. yeah but like they were all really good movies yeah i think yeah it's like it definitely is a very different space to be in as a fan of the mm-hmm. marvel fandom versus yeah. harry potter yeah because i feel like i feel like the harry potter fandom is also largely women at least mm-hmm. kind of from what i've seen obviously you know a lot of guys like harry yeah potter, yeah but it, it is a more Diverse fandom, I would yeah. say, than the Marvel fandom. Yeah, more fandom. so because, like, the... Or historically yeah. has been more diverse. Uh, well, because I, I feel like, well, a lot of the original, like, Marvel characters, like, with the movies, like, they're all white men mm-hmm. named Chris. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, obviously there are a lot of, like, white people in Harry Potter, but mm-hmm. it's more like, there's more women and women yeah. actually, like, getting to do things and being, like, strong mm-hmm. and not, like, wimpy and... 
actually portraying women as how they are rather than what men want them to be. That's a good point. I think that's definitely all part of why um, Harry Potter has probably attracted a more diverse Mm -hmm. base. Yeah. Yeah. And because they make Hermione smart and not, yeah, like, she, dumb. She She's carries, she yes. carries the group. With, like, without her, they would have been dead. Harry yeah. would have been dead within oh my gosh. the friggin' first I've seen month. so <laughs> many um, pictures of, like, little girls at, like, you know, the Women's March and stuff with yeah. signs that say, like, without Hermione, Harry would have died in book one. And yes. it's, like, so true. It, yes. But, no, I love it. Mm-hmm. The, the empowerment. Um, yes. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I have to agree. I think my favorite part of being a Harry Potter fan, yeah, is like all the fantasy and just the world. It's like you really can immerse yourself. Yeah, and yeah, the badass women. Come on, yes, I mean, yes. And also the music is really good. Oh my too. gosh, the music is amazing. Yes. and it just it, like hearing it just makes you happy. I know. Yes. Oh gosh, well, because you said you were a band kid, I was like an orchestra kid when mm-hmm. not in I quit like in around in middle school because in my middle school you had to get up at like the crack of dawn and go mm-hmm. practice in the morning and it was just not conducive to uh, my personality when I was yeah. in middle school. I was very grouchy all the yeah. time. And so um, I would, but but anyway, I played violin and I, you know, a, a year or so before I quit was like when the last Harry Potter movie came out. And so I remember I had this soundtrack, like the CD. I like got mm-hmm. it as a gift. Someone gave it to me and I would play it in my room <laughs> and like try to learn the yeah. violin. <laughs> yes. Like I remember when I had like first started to learn clarinet because I played clarinet in high school. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would like look up like how to play things like just on Google and like mm. look at the Google images and then I was like how do you play Hedwig's theme? Oh my gosh! Of and course. of course, I, like that's what I learned. And then I remember I went downstairs and I was like, like I was like to my sister, like I can play this. Like look what mm. I can play. I can play Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, what fun it is to reminisce on Harry Potter. I know. Truly. Yes, yes. It oh. just makes me happy. You know, after <laughs> this, I'm like. All right, time to go. Which Harry Potter am I watching tonight? Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Madeline, for coming on. No problem. Um, I hope this has been as fun for you as it was for me. Yes. I any excuse to talk about <laughs> Harry Potter, I'll take. But Definitely a de-stress from school. Good. Yes. I'm glad. Yes. Uh, well, thank you again. And, yeah, that's that's all for today. For this episode, I had a wonderful discussion with renowned scholar and author Dr. Francesca Coppa. Dr. Kappa is currently a professor at Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania, where she teaches English and Film Studies. Kappa is the Director of Women's and Gender Studies at Muhlenberg. She is a co-founder of the Organization for Transformative Works, also known as OTW, a nonprofit that champions and advocates for fan works and culture. Most notably, this organization created the Archive of Our Own, commonly known as AO3, which is one of the most prominent and important platforms for fan works, particularly fan fiction. She's lobbied for copyright reform, written countless articles, essays, books, etc. And I was truly honored to have her on the podcast and I'm so excited to share our discussion with you all. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to talk about things with a scholar. In this episode, we've been talking all about Harry Potter and the big, you know, Harry Potter fandom, which is obviously global. And so this fandom is one that I've been part of since I was a child. Um, I've always been invested in Harry Potter content, but I had somewhat of a like renewed interest uh, in the last year or so in the Harry Potter fandom once I did download TikTok just because I was seeing so many, you know, the al- the algorithm knows us all so well and somehow it knew I would want to see Harry Potter content. And so I was seeing all these videos um, and edits that, you know, fall under the category of what I now know is called vidding because vidding is a, a practice and fandom that you've done uh, research and work on. I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about vidding. Um, I mean, it, you know, is a practice that from non-scholars goes by other names but so yeah could you tell us a little bit about what it is and how it got started um i'm happy to talk about vidding i feel like the first thing that i would say is that vidding used to be uh it's much more narrowly defined and i would probably more Mm -hmm. narrowly define it uh than it is kind of being used now where all kinds of like fan video um people will sort of say is a vid or kind of coming under the umbrella of, Mm -hmm. of vidding um and we're doing many more kinds of fan video now because we have better tools uh, in many ways, vidding, as it was initially practiced, um, was really, uh, you know, people hacking the technology that they had, which mm-hmm. wasn't very much. Um, and fans, but you know, vid fans in particular, you know, really often 
you know, use software and tools the way they weren't intended to use to kind of make things that, that weren't available to them, right? So the, the history of bidding goes back, um, and one of the things you have to realize too is people didn't have access to footage or images, mm -hmm. right? It's really hard to realize when we today live in like, you know, in a swarm of images. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything you want, you go to YouTube or you TikTok and you have like images of all kinds being bombarded with images and there's software to kind of take them and change them. Mm -hmm. but that was not the case, you know, within my lifetime. Uh, so for instance, the very first people who bidded, bidded with slides, literal slide footage that they had gotten access to, because literally people did not have footage. Um, mm -hmm. And very, very few people even had images to work with to, to make fan images out of, right? To kind of repurpose. Um, and the VCR was the, really the first place where bidding takes off. Um, and one of the things to recognize about the VCR is that not only did fans use it to kind of create new fan works, new visual fan works, but it was the VCR that let fans have footage to begin with. In other words, there were no tapes. You, you couldn't get Harry, I mean, it wasn't Harry Potter, but you couldn't, whatever your show was, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I got Star Wars, uh, when I was 16, a, a girlfriend of mine who knew I was a huge Star Wars fan at the time, literally like paid money at a video rental store where they would like double tape a cassette for you. Like mm -hmm. there were no cassettes even for purchase. Like you could not buy the Empire Strikes Back as it was mm -hmm. and have, have that as footage. I mean, you had to sort of tape it off television uh, and you know, Star Wars wasn't on television at that point. It was just out in the theaters. Um, and, and even the, the video market was a commercial market. So the videotapes weren't sold to consumers. They were sold to video stores. So they were like, to buy the Empire Strikes Back on VHS was like 130 bucks, oh, which wow. in high school we didn't have, right? Mm -hmm. So literally you would pay for duped tapes. <laughs> That's what like regular people would do. But fans were like an industry of taping off television, duplicating tapes and swapping tapes. So if somebody came into like your fandom and you wanted them to make vids for you, you had to mail them a box of cassettes. <laughs> you just gotta have a little bit of a moment of like, kids, take, take your, you know, the world you live in is a glorious world uh, <laughs> creating and sharing and creativity. Mm. But I literally, as a fan myself, you know, during that period, you know, younger when I was your age, literally if somebody wanted me to be in their fandom, I might get a box of like 30 cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. Also, you'd want to tape them in the highest possible quality because right. you were going to make something with them, right? So, so anyway, this is like the you know the dinosaur ages of bidding. Mm -hmm. uh, but so, but people had to kind of make the footage and then use stuff like home VHS technology to like create edits and mm -hmm. ship vids, right, and music videos and things that often were there to to create readings of the text or interpretations to make visible like interpretations of the text that were not necessarily evident, right? So if you mm -hmm. want to be like, X really loves Y, or X really hates Y, or X is really like this, but you can't see it, you could make a video that would show how you saw it, mm -hmm. right? And which is a beautiful thing. It's like, I, I, you know, if you and I are talking about Harry Potter and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna tell you how I see Hermione, but I could also make this video and I would show you how I mm -hmm. see her. I would try to convince you in some way. Um, in my own scholarly work, I talk about bidding as an argument. I think a lot of times people think that means that like it's a like a fight, and I don't mean it that way. I just mean literally it's a it's a tool to kind of show you what I think. Mm -hmm. you know, I really think Harry and Hermione ought to be together, and so I'm going to show that to you in my video. I'm going to make an argument by constructing this reading for you with the tools that I have, and then when you look at it, I want to convince you. I want you to see it, right? Mm -hmm. so that's sort of the history and. Traditionally, you know, vidding was fan music video, which was pretty typically, you know, setting clips to music to make this kind of argument. Um, really, you didn't have that many tools. Uh, you know, you, you had hard cuts and you had timing uh, and you had, I mean, you had skill. Like it actually took tremendous amounts of skill to re-edit the footage in a way to construct your argument. And sometimes, you know, really good bidders, then you had to sort clips for color. But I mean, you had to, you had to choose the clips that were all of a particular color. Mm -hmm. You couldn't tint it colored, right? This is all in the prehistory, but you couldn't make the footage do certain things or couldn't manipulate the footage. You had to essentially use the editor's eye to pull pieces together to reconstruct uh, the narrative in ways that brought out certain kinds of meanings. It was like a mix, right? Like the dance mix of, or you had to find a way to kind of massage the footage to make it seem differently, which has a lot of continuity, by the way, with just film editing in general, right? Different mm -hmm. 
film editing, which has always been a female profession, is about kind of creating certain meanings out of the building blocks of film. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of prehistory of it. And obviously computers start to change things because you just right. have so many more tools. Now you can speed up, you can crop, you can color, you can manipulate, you can mask, right? You can frame out certain parts of it. You can, um, you can, you can literally put people in the scenes that they weren't in, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you can put yourself into it, right? You can, you can green screen. Green screen technology is just even a couple of years old. Um, and with those kinds of computer things, obviously the first thing you get are much more sophisticated music videos of the kind that I was talking mm-hmm. about. But then there's this kind of whole array of fan-made audiovisual content that's mm-hmm. doing any number of other kinds of things, right? Um, so GIF sets, for instance. Um, and yes, I know I'm a GIF nut person, not a GIF person. <laughs> I got stuck really early on on choosy developers choose GIF, so apologies. Mm, no. um, but for me, it's a GIF set. And, you know, uh, I wrote, I've written about them as like, you know, I had a, I did a paper on it where I, t- I talked about them as six-celled cinema, like actually just piecing together like little movies, right? Where you are creating a GIF set that's taking often, you know, shot reverse shots, matching shots, sometimes across a whole array of films to create mm-hmm. your, you know, uh, your Steve, Natasha, you know, AU, mm-hmm. right? By taking something that Chris Evans was in five years ago and something Scarlett Johansson was in, but if the eye lines match and re-piecing together that footage, mm-hmm. you could create a GIF set that's telling a new story, right? So that's a, um, a relatively recent kind of an innovation, right? Or the kind of green screen, you know, I woke up in the world of Harry Potter where people I know now are actually inserting themselves into the footage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, actually saying, here's me at Hogwarts, right? And using the technology to actually, you know, green screen a background and show you, you know, and put yourself in the background of the dining hall or something like that. Mm-hmm. That stuff is really pretty bleeding edge mm-hmm. uh, technologically. Um, I mean, all of this is still pretty it is in within my lifetime that, you know, your computer suddenly comes with enough editing software and power to make these kinds of sophisticated mm-hmm. manipulations. Anyway, that's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> um, but that's sort of where, I mean, even to talk about what bidding is, mm-hmm. I, I, today I hear people using that term to talk about a whole array of stuff that I actually technically wouldn't call a bid, right. um, but it's clearly under the umbrella of fan-made, mm-hmm. you know, fan-made video. Yeah. Well, no, that was a great answer. Not too long. I feel like that gives a really good, really good short history and, you know, background about it. But um, which, well, where you kind of ended that note um, about, you know, people use the term bidding to describe a lot of different um, types of, uh, you know, fan audiovisual content. It kind of brings me to my next point. Um, Like I, I've seen so many videos on TikTok that uh, I'm not sure what category they fall under. I feel like it's not bidding and it, it actually feels more kind of like a brand of like digital fan fiction, like self insert fanfic. Like, so for example, um, I'll give one example of the types of videos that I see a lot specifically with um, her- like the Harry Potter fandom. Um, these POVs or point of view videos that are usually like vids, they're composed of, you know, the clips from the film. And usually these clips, feature dialogue, um, and there's some sort of self-insert element. Um, A lot of times it'll say, you know, like YN, your name, which encourages the viewer to imagine they're like themselves in the scenario. And these POVs will range anything from, um, you know, POV, Harry just asked you to go to the Yule Ball, to like POV, you're the new Slytherin Quidditch captain, you know, like whatever. and they'll have like some sort of self insert element. And you know, a lot of these are part of like extended video series where uh, the narrative of the original video that you see will continue to play out and evolve and whatever. So do you think that videos, you know, of this kind of nature, this self insert element, um, do you think that they they could be described as fitting or fan fiction or something else entirely? Or what would you consider um, fan works of this nature? Yeah, I, I mean, sorry, it's not up to me to name it. Um... But I mean, obviously there are continuities with all of those forms, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was self-insert fanfic. It wasn't mm-hmm. of the sort of you reader, you know, person slash you kind of variety is relatively new, but there was always, um, I mean, from the beginning of time, there was sort of what we call the Mary Sue, which was essentially mm-hmm. a self-insert character in a fanfic. But there was also role play fanfic, but mm-hmm. in text, right? Where it was sort of, you know, somebody else might, you would play a character and you would sort of do that. Um, I think that one of the reasons that the this sort of self-insert fanfic works so well in the kind of TikTok media is that increasingly our own interpersonal relationships are screen mediated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, in other words, it's easier to actually create something that looks, if, you're, if your relationship with your real boyfriend is on your phone, 
<laughs> your relationship with your fake boyfriend is not that differently on your <laughs> right. phone, right? Just even saying like, at some level, if you know you're 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 actually thinking about the angles and crops with your sort of real best friend, mm-hmm. um, and so why not make anybody your fictional best friend? Mm-hmm. It's actually visually going to look a lot the same, right? You're still going to be in a kind of little rectangle. Right. Um, I think it's opened up the opportunity to create uh, realistic sort of seeming artworks where these fictional characters are kind of existing in the same media, literally as your own real friendships, which mm-hmm. possibly may have made even more, not worse or whatever, more prevalent by the mm-hmm. pandemic, right? Where most of us <laughs> were, you know, living life through a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the differentiation between, you know, your real relationship and your story, right? We always liked them. We used to call it documentary kink in um, mm-hmm. an old school fan fiction fandom where you kind of create artifacts that make, you know, that make the story seem real, right? Uh, you, 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 you kind of create, you know, um, objects or passports or, you know, dog tags or, mm-hmm. you know, th- things that, that really made the character seem to be in a kind of three-dimensional world but it's almost like so this fanfic is the opposite like our real meat space lives have moved into the screen so much that you wouldn't create like dog tags you would create a, a text messaging <laughs> right i mean mm-hmm. right you, know, you would create a series of text messages uh a, a, from that character to you which would be as real as like a letter you know in the old days right so it's like that, that's a kind of documentary kink if you've got like a letter from mm-hmm. a character who would get a letter from anybody right mm-hmm. um so yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of different kinds of, of, of creative, talented fandom kind of coming together to make these mm-hmm. new works. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what people call them. I mean, yeah. What do you, if you watch them, you must. What do you search? You know, because you talked about the algorithm, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the algorithm is a little bit of a can be a problem. Which mm-hmm. is the algorithm doesn't actually distinguish between different kinds of Harry Potter content, and I find is you know the various social media algorithms are just as likely to sort of serve you, you know, like an interview with Daniel Radcliffe right next to like something fanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes it becomes hard to sort of discover the content that you want fanishly because the algorithm will give you, it, 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 it's not quite as fine tuned for fandom, for fan made fan works. It often mm-hmm. tries to push you towards professionally made stuff. Um, maybe that's less on TikTok than on some of the other, um, you know, media places, but even there, it's like, there's a, you know, there are influencers and people who, who are rising to the top of that algorithm. And, you know, so how do you find the fan who's just like you, who's made something really great that doesn't have like a million likes, um, you know, if the algorithm doesn't serve it to you. So you know, literally it's a question for you, like, what do you search for when you're looking for these videos or do you not, do you just let the feed feed? Yeah. You? I mean, I guess they kind of just come to me, but I think that a lot of times um, they'll, the only way to really find them is like with the hashtags, like if you search like POV, but even then, you know, it's, it's hard to find specifically the Harry Potter ones if you're looking for that. Cause then, you know, you might have Marvel or Dr. Who or, you know, whatever. Um, do you find it, do you find that there's a way for you to connect with the, the creators? In other words, is there a community of like Harry Potter creators that you can connect with? Or is it only like, you can only see their product when it, when it comes to you? Um, I think that if I, I think that if I, you know, took more active steps to be part of the TikTok, uh, Harry Potter community, I could, but I think that usually, at least in my experience is that I'm not necessarily seeking it out. It just comes up on my feed and then I'll like engage if it's, you know, a really good vid. Like usually I feel like the ones that I'll, that I'll be like, oh my gosh, like this has me so emotional. It'll be like, like more traditional, um, examples of vidding where it's just the clips and the footage with the music um but but yeah no I I I, did, I genuinely didn't know if there was a specific name in uh fan studies for it which is why I asked but um if, if there is I don't know like I say that's not really I know there are people who are mm-hmm. doing work very specifically on like the newest forms right um and so they they may so I'm, I'm not saying there's not because I am not the be all and end all but um if there is I don't I don't know it mm-hmm. um, um Aside from self-insert, or you know, you see you see it referred to as kind of self-insert back, or you see the you know, uh, you know, slash reader uh, or slash you. Mm-hmm. But other than that, right? Right. I don't know. So just like kind of on the note of fan fiction, to just kind of like zoom out a little bit for you know the listeners who are not super familiar, um, can you just get like give like a you know a definition or like you know assuming if someone doesn't really know that much about fan fiction, like how would you describe it to them? I feel like it's, I feel like it's very, um, 
a lot of people are really turned off by the idea of it or they think it's taboo because they think that it's all like super raunchy or cringy or whatever but there's so much out there so I'm just wondering if you could give a little yeah uh I mean it's funny you say that because I think it's never been more mainstream than now which mm -hmm. I don't always think is a great thing uh I mean even what you're saying about like the content kind of coming to you there, there mm -hmm. is something about having to kind of look for it that mm -hmm. You know, one of the reasons people might think a thing is cringy is if something comes to you that you weren't looking for, <laughs> right? Is that, well, I didn't want this. Uh, mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that other people don't want it, right? It just, you know, right. one of the things that, you know, I was involved with the founding of the archive of our own. And one of the things that, which is a fan fiction archive that mm -hmm. is fan, fan organized and fan run. Um, and one of the things that we were really concerned about is that the user could kind of create their own experience, right? So you could find the things you wanted and not find the things you didn't want, right? You could exclude the things you didn't want to see. Mm -hmm. um, to me, the thing about fan fiction is that fan fiction supplements the market and in fact is outside of the market. And mm -hmm. that may not sound controversial, except it is in that there's a lot of people talking now about wanting to monetize fan fiction. Mm -hmm. um, I'm generally against monetizing fan fiction. But mm -hmm. the reason that I am is that to me, fan fiction is a place where you get the kind of stories that the mass media won't give you. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways, that's a lot of different kinds of stories, right? Um, and so, yeah, some of it is erotica, where like, you know, Harry Potter's not going to do the X-rated version of itself. But mm -hmm. some of it's just different kinds of readings. Right. Mass media has to conform to marketplace um, constraints, and the more successful it is, the more constraints. So I'm, you know, constantly sort of arguing a little bit with fans who are like, well, why doesn't Marvel, you know, do this, that, or the other thing? And the answer is like, because Marvel is a global brand that mm -hmm. wants to be successful, not just in every demographic in the United States, but it has to go to China and, or, you know, and be in, in Urdu and, and Portuguese and, you know, in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. All of them have radically different cultures. And so you're not going to get, um, <laughs> there, there are certain kinds of stories that they're not going to tell if they want to succeed in those markets. Right. Um, and people want those kinds of stories or they want, they want, so, you know, a lot of the stuff you were talking about is literally, you know, here's a kind of story that they're not going to tell a story literally about you, Jen, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, okay, because, you know, the idea of I want it customized to be actually about me is mm -hmm. obviously one obvious kind of story that they're not going to tell. The last person who did, but there are stories like that. Like your mom might've told, you know, there once was a princess, so her name was Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't you have a custom made story? And in fact, fandom not only allows for these kinds of custom made stories where this is like about you, mm -hmm. um, but for instance, um, the community I was part of was one of the ones that founded something called the Yuletide Fiction Exchange, which is literally a, a Christmas story exchange where you could request a story that is exactly your favorite thing. You're like, I want a story in which, you know, Hermione, I don't know, goes to the mall and buys my favorite brand of shoes from, I don't know, Zac Efron. And somebody would be like, sure, I will write that for you <laughs> your specifications, right? And obviously that's a story that is not trying to please everybody in the whole world. It's literally trying to please one person, mm -hmm. right? So that's one kind of obvious story that doesn't exist in a mass market framework. But right. then there are others. And traditionally, you know, kind of social justice issues across the board, like you wanted to see, you know, um, queer characters, right? You wanted, you wanted gay and lesbian characters to be represented in your media. And up until recently, you just in, in mainstream ways where it wasn't like mm -hmm. a Saturday afternoon special, but just, you know, living their lives and fighting crime and being superheroes. Mm -hmm. Well, the mass media didn't provide that. Uh, it didn't provide trans characters. Um, we've not done as well in race, um, but certainly there are stories that have taken um, characters of color or sometimes just characters who, you know, or minor characters, but they're your favorite character. You really love Luna, and like you really wish the whole thing was about Luna, but she's not, right? But in mm -hmm. your fanfic, it is. You can make her, you can recenter her uh, in the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to remake all of Harry Potter from Neville's perspective, but you can, mm -hmm. right? And you can share right. it with other people. Or you can make a vid. One of my favorite vids is The Adventure, which tells the whole Harry Potter story from Neville's perspective, and it's mm -hmm. a wonderful vid. Um, and it's a, it's a, um, it's kind of a genius vid, the adventure, because in fact, it kind of cuts around Harry Potter, right? It sort of mm -hmm. decenters him from his narrative. Yeah. It's a Neville's, you know, point of view and how this all looked to him. And, she, and, you know, she can do that for like three minutes and you can really experience the world from Neville's point of view, right? Mm -hmm. And again, that's not what the market um, is giving you. And mm -hmm. also other ways fan fiction resists market forces. So for instance, when it comes to fiction in particular, there are, there are genre categories. You know, is it a mystery? Is it a thriller? Is it a historical romance? Fan fiction doesn't, we have our own categories, right? Is it her comfort mm -hmm. or is it uh, alpha, beta, omega? Or what is it? Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's not the same kind of marketing categories. 
we don't have length restrictions. Like if your story is 5,000 words, that's great. If it's a million words, that's great. If it's 4 million words, like, you know. So in all of these ways, it resists commodification. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the main thing that it, it does. And so obviously, if it's a thing outside the market, that's not the thing you want. You might find it weird or cringy. Um, but when you say it's so many things, there's a lot of things that people want out of stories mm-hmm. that the market doesn't give them. Uh, which is the kind of thing of like, look look for the thing you want because probably somebody's done it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right? So when you do find the thing, you're like, I didn't even know I wanted this, but I so mm-hmm. wanted this. Um, that's when people get hooked on fix, right? right. It's the thing that they wanted, they didn't even know it was out there and oh my God, somebody made this thing mm-hmm. and now I'm so happy. Yeah, which kind of brings me to the last point, which we can kind of, which we can kind of end on. Um, you were saying specifically, you know, like people who didn't feel represented in the media then, you know, fanfic gives them, it, it facilitates um, their own interpretation where they can include themselves in their identity. Um, and so, you know, specifically within the Harry Potter fandom, you know, I mean, it's, there's so much source material that, you know, there's entire subgenres of fanfic under the, you know, umbrella of Harry Potter fanfiction. And, you know, especially with, you know, JK Rowling's uh, controversial and offensive statements about, you know, the variety of topics, um, a lot of, like, so much of the fandom has been, you know, reclaiming various parts of the series, various characters in fan fiction and, you know, changing the sexuality, race, gender, et cetera, of, you know, various characters. And, you know, especially with social media and online, you know, these fanfics have um, gotten so widespread that, you know, these changes to the original canon in fanfic have, you know, become the new canon, like fanon. Um, and so what do you think, you know, kind of these blurred lines between canon and fandom mean for like the future of fandom? Like, is it, is it, uh, do you think divisive between fans that are like, no, we like the the original or, you know, is it attracting more people or what do you think about that? No, I mean, in fact, what's funny about it is it's not at all unusual. And it, in other words, the stories that survive function like this, they're, they're almost all kind of, you know, what I would say term of art would be kind of tra- transmedia creation, mm-hmm. but also collaborative creations. They, they tend to transcend some notion of individual authorship, right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously that's already the case with certain, I mean, you know, you, you know, people are like, oh, Stan Lee, but like Stan Lee didn't invent, you know, he's not responsible fully, right? That there's a way in which I've, you know, um, Captain America or something like that has been written by many, 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 many people. And, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much there that people tend to keep the stuff they like and discard the stuff they don't like. And you can make practically anything out of that character, you know, if you wanted to, uh, within a certain number of parameters but this is how lit has always worked like I teach Sherlock Holmes um and half of what you think you know about Sherlock Holmes was somebody else's fan in. um mm-hmm. I literally was just teaching this but you know the original Sherlock Holmes stories were in the Strand magazine and they were illustrated so your visual of Sherlock Holmes was not what Arthur Conan Doyle wrote it was mm-hmm. these pictures that were done by somebody else published with them so if you have some idea that he's wearing this deerstalker hat and Inverness cape and the tweed there's no talk of an Inverness cap and a tweed in the story. Mm-hmm. It appeared in the picture that went with the story. So already there's a second, and it was like, it's fan. And people were like, well, that's good. Let's keep that. We like mm-hmm. that hat and we like that cape. Uh, and then Sherlock Holmes became a, a stage figure. He, there was a play, 1898, um, by William Gillette. And literally, that's the first time, which was authored by somebody else with Conan Doyle's permission to put on a play. And mm-hmm. that was the first time he said, elementary, my dear Watson. And people were well, that's kind of a good line. Like, let's hold on to that. Mm-hmm. And by now, you know, what, what you think is Sherlock Holmes, well, could be anything. And two people could have radically different ideas of Sherlock Holmes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you see fighting with somebody like James Bond or King Arthur, right? I mean, Lancelot was not in the original King Arthur stories. Mm-hmm. It was a fan in addition. Somebody came on later and added it. And in fact, I would say, you know, we, I wish we had more of it. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, I'm starting to get the sense that the, you know, <laughs> the mass media is copying us. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the making Hermione black in uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the casting of a black actress, right? Had some responsiveness to fandom, which was like, nobody ever said that Hermione was white. They say she has bushy hair, but mm-hmm. in fact, there's no saying that she was white. And there's a kind of responsiveness to people being like, you're right, like, she doesn't have to be white. Mm-hmm. Um, the What If series that Marvel is doing, um, obviously there's a tradition of what ifness in the, in the in comics, but it's really pretty fan fiction. It's, you know, I think we're better than the what if series. Uh, I mean, we are, we're more creative. Like mm-hmm. the, the moves they made were not 
to my mind, wildly creative as a whole, and right. certainly not compared to the aggregate of fandoms, but just the idea, like, what if Peggy Carter was Captain America? What if, you know, right? What if Loki did this other thing? Like, that whole idea is them realizing that fans have great ideas mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that multiplicity doesn't hurt a text, it helps it. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is in terms of ship wars, I mean, this, these are folks who need to recognize that there's more than one Hamlet. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you do Hamlet and perform him this way and somebody else does Hamlet and performs it a different way, they can both exist in the world. Like it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to win. Uh, and in fact, if you really love a source text, you want it done as many ways as possible. Hmm. Right. right. Uh, so, in fact, the foolish thing is to say, you know, don't touch my babies, you know, don't, don't, you know, leave them alone. To hmm. say leave them alone is like saying don't sing my song. I mean, well, if you say don't sing my song, then your song is going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff that other people sing that keeps it going. Right. right. So you want, even if you don't personally agree with it, you want other people to sing your song. Mm -hmm. And if you have an interpretation that you think is convincing, the only solution is for you to make your own art. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're like, I think your vision of this character is wrong, then this is how people get into fandom, baby. They're like, well, I'm going to show you the right way to do it. And then it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a, it's not a contest in the sense that somebody has to win, but you enter the market and you make your interpretation. Right. Um, and that's how all art has always worked. So mm -hmm. I think people who get into ship wars are just being a little bit like short-sighted mm -hmm. or being like, I'm in you know, I, I don't care what J.K. Rowling says. Like, I mean, I'm also of the epilogue, what epilogue school, like the epilogue is terrible. So we're ignoring it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm just completely not interested in it. And it, to me, it's all a suggestion. Um, I don't, I'm never, I'm almost never upset. It's, there's very few things that will actually, you know, but I'm an old school fangirl that will upset me about what Canon does because mm -hmm. my job is to take the bits I like and do it better. Right. Right. To fix it or change it or, uh, you know, do, do, you know, make, make something new of it or improve it. Um, and in fact, I kind of stipulate that, I mean, this is it's not that it's controversial, but this is a very old school Spanish point of view. The first draft of the thing by the creator is kind of a suggestion. <laughs> I don't think of it as like, ooh, it's Harry Potter. And then there's a fan. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. this is a great universe. People want to play in it. Right. They want to go to the, even the theme, like they want to walk through the theme park. They, you know, I feel like the best Harry Potter story is not yet been told. Mm, right. right. It, 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 you, it's not over. And in fact, her version of the story is by no means the most interesting version that could mm -hmm. uh, happen there. Right. Um, and, and to me, that's so obvious. But again, I come, you know, I come out of the theater. So it's not like, well, we've done Hamlet. It's like, you, you still want to have the next great Hamlet, mm -hmm. right? Uh, by, by somebody who's got an interesting take and will make that play new and relevant and, you know, the Hamlet for now, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, anyway, so I, I think it's in a complete continuity with how culture really happens mm -hmm. much more than this idea of you know a romantic genius writing a great novel that nobody touches right right I hope I really hope that the audience after listening to this conversation I hope everyone goes and like finds their fanfic you know I hope that this because I, I really do think that um there's there is so much out there that's that's so much thought and intention that goes into it and yeah like you said there is there's something well, for everyone. I'll tell you a story quickly. Um, you know, in, in, in my work with the, the OTW, the Organization for Transformative mm -hmm. Works, one of the things that I did uh, is work with the legal team to, we, we did a lot of advocacy in Congress on issues of user-generated video and, and, um, and fair use, because so much of this making relies on fair use. Uh, it, I feel like it shouldn't culturally, and that stories mm -hmm. are there to be told, but the way that we've set up copyright and intellectual property where people own stories and ideas, which is inhuman, but it's what we have, mm -hmm. you need a category like fair use for people to, because everybody retells stories in their own head, right? You see what I'm saying? Like you mm -hmm. can't tell people like, don't, don't daydream my story. Don't tell, you know, stories about Luke Skywalker to people. It's, it's, right. it's ridiculous. It's inhuman to suggest that only a few people could tell a story, it would be literally like saying, don't ever sing songs. Like you can't mm -hmm. walk down the street singing a song because you're, you're using, you know, my copyright. Um, but anyway, in doing that advocacy and, you know, talking to like serious people, like having to go to the judicial committee and talking to like senators, uh, we actually found that if you could find a vid in their fandom, because they might think that they have a fandom, mm -hmm. but if they were like fans of like The Wire or mm -hmm. if you could actually show them a thing that said something interesting about an artwork that they cared about, they would mm. go, oh, <laughs> no, they would be like, oh, it's this. Because if you're mm. looking at a bid for something that you don't care about, you just think, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's from Harry Potter. Right, right, right. But if you could find 
find an artwork that, that somebody cares about and mm -hmm. then show them a vid that is doing something interesting with it, you know, people, people get invested and they go, yeah. oh, that. And so a lot of it, uh, my colleague, Rebecca Tushna, I remember her like, ask, literally like asking like, you know, people on the hill, like, so mm -hmm. what TV are you watching? Because we kind of knew if we could put the right artwork in front of them, mm -hmm. right? That they would get it. And so yeah. a lot of this fandom is just people not having seen the work that makes them light up. Mm -hmm. um, but when they do, people, you know, people convert. Like it's mm -hmm. very they, they go, oh, wow, it's this. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I've been sending um, uh, succession vids that show succession on HBO because they keep coming up and I'm like sending it to, you know, all the people in my life that watch that. But well, no, this has been a wonderful conversation about all things vidding and fan fiction, everything. Um, so I want to thank you so much, Dr. Copa, for coming on. Um, so welcome. And yeah, that's all for today. I want to thank Dr. Suzanne Scott, Dr. Guan Soon Koo, Dr. Dave Junker, Julia Beck, my peers in the Moody College Honors Program, and this episode's guests. Thank you for listening to this episode of For the Fans.